0: Bishop Curtis, you're celebrating 60 years as a priest uh, this year, so uh, on behalf of the whole archdiocese, I want to offer congratulations and thanks for so many years of, of generosity and, and service as a priest and a bishop. Uh, I thought it might be interesting to uh, give you a chance to reflect back on uh, your experiences as a priest and maybe even before that to, to reflect a little even on how uh, how you received the gift of faith and and how you began to discern the, the call to the priesthood. So. Um, Maybe talk a little bit, if you could, about uh, your life as a young person and, and how you uh, began to uh, uh, being, uh, drawn, in, uh, feel yourself drawn into relationship with the Lord and then in how you came to discern uh, his call to share in his priesthood.
1: Well, I think Archbishop is probably the same for you. I began with my mother and father. Uh, my mother was a little short Slovenian lady. Uh, she was an RN, loved nursing. Um, great faith, strong faith. Uh, in fact, I think she helped my dad <laughs> develop the faith along the line. But I think that's where it starts, is with your parents. Uh, great mother, great faith, uh, insisted I be in a Catholic school, even in not many in Eastern Oregon where I grew up, and uh, uh, very powerful person, and that's where it began. As far as the preacher is concerned, I, I've told other people that I don't remember any time when I didn't want to be a priest. I... I I thought about pre. I was say uh, playing, saying mass when I was about four years old. Uh, my dad said, "Yeah, he's always going. I think he's going to be a priest." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, it was in my mind from that. I, my earliest conscious reflections were going to be. I was going to be a priest. So.
0: And I imagine oh, so. your parents were supportive of
1: that. Oh, they were. They were. My dad told me one time, he says, I think you ought to be a priest. I don't think you can make a living with your hands. So. <laughs> he thought I was kind of a handicapped. Uh, but uh, they were very supportive. Uh, I wanted to go in high school, and my mother said, absolutely not. He's going to stay here. We've got a Catholic high school here. He's going to stay here. You he should stay in the house. He can go after he graduates from high school. So that's what happened. I went in uh, Went seminary and college, and
0: uh, were, were there any priests at your parish or in the schools where you went that, that had an influence on you?
1: Well, you know, there were a couple of them. I grew up in Baker, Oregon, Baker City, it's called now. Uh, Father John Baumgartner was the chancellor all those years. Uh, he was a native of Eastern Oregon, gentle, kind, wonderful man. We were good friends. Used to fish together. Uh, there was a couple of there was an Irish priest there, Thomas Moore, who was pastor for many years. In fact, I visited with him in Ireland when I was a seminarian when I had gone to Lumen Vitae in Belgium, and I stopped back in Ireland. very close, A wonderful man of faith. He loved to hunt and fish, and so he and, he and I were great friends. So the priest had a lot of influence on me. Bishop McGrath, Joseph F. McGrath, was an Irishman from Seattle, uh, kind of a stern Irishman, but, but he and I connected. And he said to me one time, young man, are you going to be a priest? And I looked him right in the eye, and I said, oh, I think I'll be a bishop. <laughs> and he said, what? I said, well, if, I'd, if you're going to work, I'd rather be the boss. Said, <laughs> he, he laughed. Yeah. <laughs> and I inherited from him a pectoral cross. That, of course, he would dead many years before I became a bishop, but they, the bishop then of Baker gave me his pectoral cross because he said he had a, you are the only priest that he ever Saw so become a bishop, and he was so happy, he'd be so happy that you're a bishop. So, but anyway, so I had that support as growing up as a young man, which is great, you know. So.
0: so, can you share a little bit about what uh, seminary life was like when you were a, a student in the 1950s?
1: Well, I, uh, as we were talking about, I, I went to uh, St. Edwards in Seattle, Silpicians, and uh, started as a, a college, first year college. The seminary at that time was divided six and six. It had four years of high school and two years of college, and then two years of college and four years of theology. So I was in the, the minor seminary, the first collegian, and I remember the rector there said to me, well, you know, I was looking at your transcripts, and you... I, I don't know, maybe you should do another year of high school. I said, I'm not, I, absolutely not. I graduated from high school, I'm not going back. And he says, well, you're a very obstreperous for a young man. And I said, well, I just feel very strongly about that. So I said, well, we'll, we'll try it. We'll see if you can make it in college. And so I started and I made it. But uh, it, was, uh, it was very strict, you know, the seminary in those days, uh, uh, strict uh, regime. But uh, we became close friends, good faculty, good library. Uh, I, I was able to dig into the books, I enjoyed philosophy, uh, and um, I, uh, I, felt, I, I felt at home almost immediately. Uh, and, uh, and I enjoyed those years. I spent eight years there. I did four years of college and then four years of graduate school theology. And, um, and I have to say that those eight years went by very quickly, and I, uh, uh, it wasn't easy. The discipline was tough. But it was it was stimulating and and and, and I kind of came alive in you know, those seminary years, you know.
0: Were you able to develop some habits—reading, study, prayer—that that you feel held, helped you in good stead over these years as a priest?
1: You know, I think so. Uh, I think first of all, study habits. Uh, I had a, a kind of a yearning to get to the bottom of things and find out why. Uh, how the mind works. How do we know reality in philosophy? You know, how do we know things are real? And then when I get into theology to dig into the doctrines of the faith, and to see the continuity that the church—it's uh, like a, a diamond in the in a light. Uh, over the centuries, the church, the diamond changes new fa- uh, fa- facets of that uh, that richness. So theology was a was a was a was very interesting to me and as a consequence I always started reading and I've all my life I've been I've continued to study and yeah, I stay still up with that very much. Oh I still enjoy that it's well, I got a great library at home as yeah. you know and uh, I've uh, I that started uh, in uh, at the seminary and uh, I'll have to tell you an interesting story the rector who was a uh, kind of a stirred man but I liked him Irishman he said to me when I was leaving in 1958 well, he said, the trouble is, you haven't suffered enough yet. He said, l- 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 you, you, it's been too easy for you around here. You, until, you won't amount to much until you have to struggle a little bit. And I said, well, that's all right. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> but anyway, he was right. <laughs> so,
0: You know, we've uh, developed a, this pastoral vision here in the Archdiocese of Omaha that uh, really, uh, we're encouraging everybody to see that that our Lord wants to have a personal relationship with with uh, each of us. W- uh, would you be willing to share a little bit about how your own relationship with the Lord has grown over the years of, uh, as a priest and as a bishop?
1: Well, I think uh, beginning with my mother and my Slovenian grandmother, who bro- who spoke very broken English, but she had uh, for Jesus, Jesus was so real to her, and she said to me one day, you know, I must introduce you to to Jesus. And I said, what? So she came to Baker and took me to a mission as a little boy, to a a mission that was being preached at the cathedral there in Baker. And she said, you know what? Do you know what? It's Eucharist. And I said, well, yeah, I think I do. She says, that's Jesus, body and blood. Eucharist will teach you how to love him. And I said, well, Yes. And that's where it started. Uh, And I think, you know, as priests, well, in the seminary, of course, but as priests, uh, and I used to, when I was a seminary rector, I would say to these students, there's two things that are absolutely essential for you if you're going to be surviving the priesthood. One of them is you have to have a very close relationship with Jesus, and that takes place through the Eucharist, because this is his body and blood that he shares with us. So... That's for, and then the second thing is exercise. You've got to learn to exercise regularly, if you're going to, because then you can take anything in stride. But for me, that, that personal relationship with Jesus that began very at a very early age, was developed in the seminary because of the prayer life in the seminary and the, and the studies. And then uh, afterwards, uh, I've continued to do that. I think uh, our prayer every day, especially contemplative quiet prayer, some time with the Lord alone, uh, that's what develops our spiritual life. And, uh, and and I think that's essential for us as priests and as bishops. God knows it's essential for us as bishops.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have the, a blessing, as, as you do, to have a chapel in, in the house, and, and it's a great place to begin the, and end the day. And I, I Wonderful.
1: I, Wonderful. I have, I have that chapel in my home. is just very, very important to me. And to have to be able to reserve the Blessed Sacrament there, have the Eucharist there. When I'm gone, I, have, you know, I go in the winter for a couple of months. When I come back, the first thing I want to do is celebrate the Eucharist and reserve the Eucharist. because so, my house is empty until the Lord is present there, you know. So,
0: and I imagine in retirement you've had the opportunity to have more leisure for prayer and and reflection.
1: That's the nice part. You know, when, as you know, when you're active as the, as the ordinary, as the archbishop, your your time is so restricted because you have so many things to do and so many appointments, and, and it's hard. But one of the nice things, there's two things that have happened since I retired that are very wonderful. One of them is that time that I have can spend time. In fact, he gets after me if I don't come in once in a while and visit him. But the other thing is to be able to get up in the morning, put on a pot of coffee, and go get the paper, and I don't have to be at the Chancery office, or I don't have to be at a meeting in the morning. That is a very joyful experience for me.
0: <laughs> you, you've remained very active in retirement, though. People see you in the Archdiocese at various events. I certainly uh, appreciate your...
1: Well, thanks uh, to you.
0: Yeah, well, I appreciate your help to, uh, and encouragement to me personally. It's a great gift, but also uh, your desire to continue to, to minister to God's people.
1: Well, I'm blessed, you know, with health, you know. Uh, here I am, 86, you know. I, I can remember when I thought 80 was old. Now I don't think it's very old at all. And, but because of health and energy in my mind, you know, it's important, again, to keep studying and reading and writing and the things that we have to do to keep our minds active. And our spiritual life, but it's a joy for me now to be able to celebrate like confirmation with people when I don't have any other pressures on me. I can just go and... Sell. It's it's being a priest again in a way, it's a, but it, it's, uh, it's a joy to be able to celebrate, and I'm glad for the opportunity to be able to do that.
0: Well, and uh, people always tell me when they... Participating in the confirmation that you're celebrating that the the uh, activity of the Holy Spirit is is very evident in you In your preaching and, and in the energy that you bring to those celebrations.
1: That's one of the joys for us as bishops, isn't it? Uh, we the two things Celebrating any time we are the instruments by which the Holy Spirit is transmitted to people the two times Confirmation when you impose hands and pray that the Spirit that came upon Peter and James and John in the first century through the hands of the first apostles, will be shared with these candidates. And then, the ordination of deacons and priests. The ordination ceremony, as you know, is just powerful when you impose hands, realizing that you are sharing your priesthood with this young man, and some not so young, uh, that uh, it just, it's still, and it, even for me today, celebration of confirmation, just an amazing experience. It just lifts my spirits to be able to celebrate with people, you know?
0: Yeah, well, in confirmation, you know, you're surrounded by disciples of Jesus Christ, young ones usually, because the, the, the Holy Spirit is a gift Jesus gives to his disciples. So that they can.
1: But you also take the don't. But, but when we're talking to those kids, we're talking to everybody in that church, and wh- I've had a number of older people tell me you kind of renews the spirit in them when you celebrate with those young people, you know. And
0: I, I think that's true. Yeah. And you mentioned the, the joy of uh, ordaining. Of New priests and, and deacons, we imagine all the lives that that they will touch, you know, throughout their their ministry. Yeah. You know, you just uh, that's the, right. The uh, uh, bishop who ordained you a priest could never have imagined, you know, that you'd be you'd have this run of sixty years oh. plus, uh, and all the people who's, whose uh, lives you've been able to, exactly. to to touch by your your exactly. priestly life. You
1: know that my f- the first ordination for me was the day after I was ordained bishop nineteen seventy six in Helena at the cathedral. Uh, he's now retired, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's an amazing experience to be able to do that, and to know that through that ordination, you're going to, through him, your ministry is being shared broadly, you know, and, uh, I, and, and we won't know until we're with the Lord the impact that it's had, but uh, eventually we will see the fruit of our work you know and our ministries and uh, that's been continued through those whom we've ordained
0: yeah sometimes we get to see it but of course so much goes on that we never get to see it. never but see hopefully the lord will show that to us someday we hope we hope so and and
1: also to let us know the mistakes we've made along the line too you know so
0: <laughs> in case somebody else hasn't reminded you by, already, by <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, when you're a bishop, you get reminded often about the mistakes you make. Yeah,
0: as you know, we're blessed in this archdiocese with uh, wonderful seminarians and and uh, a great young priests of uh, middle age and older priests too, so we don't leave them out. But just what we think about um, uh, the men who are in the seminary now and, and who are uh, ordained, just uh, beginning their ministry. What would you say would be some uh, of the challenges that they might be facing? Would have been would be different from what you faced when you were a, uh, a young priest.
1: Well, yeah, the difference between 1958 and
0: the world's turned down. a few times since I. It's
1: turned around a few times. Uh, I think the culture, the secular culture in which we live, uh, we're in a fast-paced kind of culture where you're busy, 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 uh, and uh, you're caught up in. In so many things, uh, and it's it's it's. I think it's tough. It's tougher today, because the faith isn't as anchored as it was when we were young priests, uh, where people, uh, their lives, they, they they lived in the same communities where they grew up so often, and there were the parish was kind of the center of their lives, and and uh, there was more stability. And uh, young people today, there's, there's so many opportunities and, and, and their, their lives take so many different directions. They don't have this, the, 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 the kind of stability that people, young people when we were uh, young priests. So I think it's harder. I think it's harder in a way to be people of faith today than it was in the past. On the other hand, one of the things I've noticed, both in our seminarians and in young college students that we, we encounter, those who recognize the emptiness of their lives and the emptiness of the culture without some kind of faith, without something to hold on to, and they begin to take another look. Some of them that have left the church begin to take another look at the church and see, well, is this the church that Jesus began? Is he really who he says he is? Is the Son of God made man? Has he come to help prepare us for union with the fo- What's my destiny? Uh, what do I want? To, what am I going to do with my life? I need an- I need to anchor. So there's I think there's greater opportunity. I think we're going to have better Catholics and stronger priests coming than we did in the past. Although there's going to be fewer of them, because you have to make the decision, and you have to go with it. And so I think. Uh, I'm hopeful about the future. I'm hopeful. Gee, look at our seminarians. Look at the people you've ordained the last few years. Just marvelous people. Marvelous young men. The lay leaders that we have. We have so many laity now that are taking responsibility for the life of the church. This new evangelization, you know, inviting people to come and see what we've got. You know, take a look at the church. You know, we've been around here for 2,000 years where there's something going, something's happening that's good. I think that's, I think that That uh, in some ways when we were young priests it was less of a challenge, it's more of a challenge now for young people but once they recognize their hunger and their emptiness and the need for God, then I think we're going to have some very good, strong people
0: Well I think we find, you know, as we uh, invite people to uh, understand what evangelization means and what it means for them both to be drawn to Jesus, but then to, to share him with others, uh, we, we see people getting excited about that, and we know the Holy Spirit's equipping them uh, these days, just as in the early church. Uh, yes, I agree with church. you, I think there, there's uh, uh, certainly challenges these days, but also we see people responding in a very generous and powerful way.
1: You know, uh, I, I was ordained in 1958, which is 60 years, four years before the beginning of the Second Vetting Council. And I lived through the council and read all those documents. But one of the great changes, one of the advantages of Vatican II was that when I was ordained in 58, the priests were the... We did most everything ourselves. You know, there were a lot of us, a lot of priests. And the Vatican Council began to put the emphasis on the the, the baptized, that you're call, all of us, everybody who's baptized is called to be part of the church and, and to share their faith, and... Invited, all all these lay ministries began to develop after the beginning after the Second Vatican Council, and that's a wonderful positive development in the life of the church. I think, in some ways, we priests and we bishops are more supported today by the laity than we ever were when when I was ordained, and I think that's a great advantage. and And I see it here in the archdiocese. You have we have so many marvelous lay people willing to help us with the mission to help you. Uh, We've got. uh, young people now beginning to take a look at priesthood and religious life. There's going to be fewer of them, I think, but they're going to be, they're going to know how to work with people. The church is going to be, I think our parishes are going to be stronger. I think the archdiocese is going to be stronger in the future because what's happened, even though we may not have the same numbers of Catholics, active Catholics, as we did when I was first ordained. You know, when I, you know, everybody went to Mass, you know. You just automatically went to Mass when I was ordained. Uh, I, I could have more, no more said to my dad, oh, I'm, I'm not going to Mass today than fly a kite. You know, I'd, you know, I'd learn very soon. That, that, but, but I think that uh, people have to make decisions now. They have to decide what they're going to follow. What is their life going to be like? How do they want to live? What's going to help them be happy and satisfied? And they find out after a while that what the world offers them in the long run, is not going to satisfy them. And I think I think if we're going to have more holy people. I think we're going to have a lot of... We're all called to be saints, uh, despite our own weaknesses, as you know. And uh, the Lord keeps working on us and helps us to, helps us to have that wholeness that we need uh, to be able to love people and love the Lord. And what we find out... Is this what really satisfies us, make us happy? That's what we're made for. In the long, that's what we're made for. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How to find out what we're made for? That's a good question. That's a good statement. Yes. Yeah.
0: Well, I I appreciate your hopeful uh, attitude. It's the it's the virtue of hope, the theological virtue that that's very evident in your life and in your ministry over all these years, and it's, it's encouraging. It it um, I think it it gives us consolation in our. Ministry to know that we do have something to offer. We have Jesus is the is the answer to, to the longing of, of the human heart and, and we're able to to offer him.
1: Um, that's to, why the Father sent him into the world, huh? Right. The Father knew that we we're going to figure this out and make this happen by ourselves. So he puts he sends his son into this world, which always amazes me when I think of it. The all-holy son of God, second person of the Trinity willing to take on our human nature and become like us and struggle through humanity as a human being like us that is just amazing well that shows you what the father thinks about us and jesus is the one that helps us get us ready for the father (laughs) there's no doubt about it
0: yeah and our our challenge but also our joy is to uh, help people realize that jesus is alive and that they can still meet him we're not just remembering him from a long time ago, but he's with us now alive in the church. That was the power a, of the Spirit and through the, through the various gifts of the people, but also through priestly ministry. See,
1: that's, that's what my grandmother, who didn't know, didn't have a lot of knowledge, although she had great wisdom, my grandmother taught me that a long time ago, that, he, that he's real. And see, if, you, if, you, if you can develop a relationship with him that's real, then that's going to impact your life. And even though you make mistakes, as we all do, uh, and you, you at times you you wonder if this, oh my God, does this make sense or not? I mean, is this real or not? You know, and then you have to come to some. You have to re-gear uh, yourself to, to get to the to the fundamentals again and say, yes, this is real, and he's real, and he begins to have. He begins to set up a relationship, a love relationship, which is. Really interesting, because as you and I know he can be a tough taskmaster sometimes. When he want, you know, he's pushing us. He keeps pushing us to be what he wants us to be, and that's not always easy. But in the long run, when we look back and say, you know, <laughs> you know, a father disciplines his sons, you know, and at, at sometimes that discipline wasn't very uh, uh, very enjoyable, but in the long run the way he disciplines us and brings us around and makes us do what he wants us to do. And then we say, oh, God, thank God. Well, I look back on 60 years, happy, wonderful, fulfilled years. I'm so glad that he pushed me. (laughs) (laughs) I am too. (laughs) We both are. I know we are. I know we are. We share that same reality.
0: Well, you mentioned that you're 86, you're you're not shy about about your age. You, no. you enjoy good health and, and uh, still in active ministry. You, um, you're, I think I can say this uh, uh, respectfully, you're one of the senior members of this, uh, of our Catholic community. Now, do you have any words of encouragement that you want to offer to other people who are kind of at the same point in, uh, in life, able to look back on on a vocation, maybe marriage, maybe priesthood, or a consecrated life that, that's been filled with some challenges, but also many blessings?
1: Well, you know, I think seniors, senior people, um, it's a good thing to look back on your life and see the way the Lord's helped you survive and get through issues and difficulties and heartaches. But but it's also important to stay very focused and to stay very happy, to realize it's wonderful to have the experience that we have, that the people that have come into our lives, and we've had losses, all of us, We've, I've lost two younger brothers that I was looking forward to uh, spending retirement with. You have losses in your life, and, and things have gone wrong in your life. But rather than focus on the mistakes, what's important is to focus on the good things that have happened to you, and the way the Lord is present to you, and he wants you to be have a sense of fulfillment and happiness. I think we senior people ought to be the happiest people in the world. Because... Of what the Lord has done in our lives. And even with the debilities and the sicknesses and the illnesses that we have and the gradual letting go that we have to go through, but if you have that sense that the Lord has walked with you and He's continuing to walk with you, then life should, you should rejoice that you've had the experience that you had and you should enjoy life and be happy for what you've got now happiness,
0: joy. (laughs) That's very evident. It,
1: Fruit it, of the Spirit, Fruits
0: of the Spirit. Huh? So maybe we can kind of look at the other end of the spectrum. How are we um, uh, so blessed in this archdiocese with, with uh, many young people engaged in the life of the church through our schools and other programs? As, as you um, uh, look on them with great fondness and, and hope, what, what kind of encouragement would you give to young men and women who are uh, just coming into adulthood?
1: Well, you know, I think everybody has to search you have to ask questions. One of the things I've been saying lately at con- in the Confirmations is this, you know, you, along the line, you're, there's going to be a lot of questions come into your mind. You're going to have to question. You're, you're going to question what you've learned from your parents. You're going to question what you've learned from your teachers. Asking questions is a good thing. And here in this archdiocese, we're able to answer questions. I said, get to somebody who can answer your question. Get your questions answered. Because if you don't, then it could create doubts in your mind. So get, get the answers. The other thing is, ask yourselves, what's going to make me happy in life and what's going to satisfy me happy in life? Am I going to rate, meet the right kind of person that, that I can love and be loved by fully? Am I going to have the kind of job or ex- working experience that's going to be good for me? Am I going to have the kind of environment or do I have enough resources to be able to live a decent life? But more than that, What's going to satisfy the yearnings of my spirit? My hunger for truth and my hunger for love and my hunger for beauty. What is going to satisfy that? Ask yourself those questions. And when you do, you're going to discover that the only one who can answer that is the Lord himself. And once you figure that out, then life is much more enjoyable and happy. So young people, ask your questions, get answers, struggle, but figure out for yourselves eventually what's going to help you be happy and what's going to fulfill your life in the long run. That's the question.
0: Well, once again, congratulations on 60 years of priestly life and ministry, and uh, thanks for for sharing these uh, thoughts and memories and and hopes. Uh, I... uh, I um, like to pray I, I, for you and, and count on your prayers. I know
1: you do, but I want to tell you that one of the reasons that I'm having very happy years these now is because of you. My relationship with you and the support you've given me as an old guy that's uh, is still trying to help, you know, I appreciate that. Appreciate this archdiocese. Yeah,
0: well, I, I'm getting older myself, but every year when I have a birthday I try to catch up with you, you have another <laughs> one. And you kind of get out of it. But uh, anyway, thank, thanks uh, very much.
1: God bless you. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice, a podcast of the Archdiocese of Omaha. For more information, visit archomaha.org/podcast.